0: I'd like to welcome Chris Twix to Imran's podcast. The way I know Chris is um, from uh, meeting him at the London Marathon. Chris, when he told me that I was pacing with Julian that I would be running uh, 15 seconds and walking 30 seconds. And I was like, what? Can you repeat this again? (laughs) (laughs) That was like, what are we doing here? So that's like really, truly my my school to Galloway method and um, try to really stick with from from beginning to end. There's some points I was going off uh, a little bit on my pace because there's some music playing up just going off and so you have to remind hey you know so i hold hold up. So anyway, I remember people screaming at me. But definitely a uh, welcome to Emerald's Podcast has been long view. Uh before we start this interview further talking about the Galloway method, talk about it yourself and the running you know running journey and um, and so on so my audience will know about you a little bit
1: absolutely happy to do that thank you for having me on uh, so my name is Chris Twiggs uh, my job title I'm the chief training officer for Galloway training which means I work for Jeff Galloway and my running journey really started with a marathon I, I had done a couple of 5ks in college and I had run a relay That was slightly longer than three miles, a little longer than 5k prior to considering a marathon, but I was not a runner in high school or college or any of that kind of stuff. And then I got married right after college and my wife discovered that there was going to be a Disney marathon. She thought it would be really cool for us to do that. It happened to be the inaugural Disney marathon in 1994 and Uh, She convinced me to do that. And so we started training and we did not know anything about Jeff Galloway, hadn't discovered him yet, but we trained and we accomplished that marathon. So I was not a runner until I started training for that. And then when we decided we would try to do it again the next year, we discovered Jeff Galloway's book on running and followed that training to the letter. And then we got to meet Jeff right before the race. And get some advice from him and get some tips from him and find out about the run-walk method. And so the very first time that we ever used Jeff Galloway's run-walk method was during the 1995 uh, Disney Marathon. The second Disney Marathon and our second marathon ever. And we had wild success with it. In fact, my wife, not only did my wife take more than half an hour off her time, from her first marathon to that second one, but she qualified for Boston the very first time we used run walk. So it was pretty amazing for us. It was absolutely transformative. It opened up all sorts of ideas and possibilities for us. And since then I've run more than hundred marathons. I'd have to look it up to see exactly how many. I've done a great many ultra marathons and, uh, starting in 2010, uh, I've been working for Jeff Galloway full time and, so not just running, but helping others and coaching people and pacing people and all of those things has, has become not just a passion, but but my job. So it's been a fantastic journey so far, and it's not done yet.
0: Definitely. Usually I tell people I'm just barely starting. So That's right. And you, you had a great story to talk about um, your running journey. I myself started also late, um, you know, like you, I guess. When I first started, I didn't even know how far a marathon was. Uh, you know, I was think, thinking thirteen, twenty-six kilometers or something. So anyway, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I quickly <laughs> yeah. found that I, I was like, "That's no way." So here I am. So one one thing for sure, uh, I did. Uh, back when I was started learning how to, uh, you know, figure out what I'm what I'm getting into it, um, I did stumble across uh, Jeff Galloway's book. I think that's the book you and I, you probably read the same one, though. It was a really old book. So, and I went through that um, that book, and I met Jeff Galloway, Mr. Galloway. I, I usually call him Mr. Galloway. I think he doesn't like to be called that, but. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's <laughs> but, Jeff. He's Jeff to everybody. Yeah, he is.
0: So, I met Jeff, and um, uh, he was here locally in a Birmingham, some some event, so that's kinda, I, I did that earlier. Um, one of the thing uh, I, I came across, uh, you know, this wasn't the first time when I when I saw you at London, it was not the first time I ran or ran with or ran close by um, Jeff Galloway uh, pacer. It was in Publix Marathon. I don't remember which year it was. I was pacing and I was running and then another pacer was run walk. And, and then every, Often, you know, I will pass them. I mean, we were just passing each other every time I would be running. It's, you know, whenever she, this lady was walking, I'll pass her and and then so on. And at the end, like mile 25, we we're like together. I was like, okay, let's finish this together.
1: Awesome. <laughs> so That's we, great. We
0: actually finished that race together. <laughs> I was I can find a picture. I saw that uh, the power of uh, uh, Galloway method back then, um, and then I, I, I got reintroduced, um, you know, uh, recently when we did the London last year and I did Pace Disney for you. Um, so anyway, a Galloway method has been um, really helpful. And I tried to run a, a marathon, um, you know, I did I did run a marathon and I ran what, six hour run using the Galloway method. Um, I don't do as much as I would like to. So I tell myself anytime I go beyond five hours, five and a half hours, I'm using the Galloway method. So, so I kind of come from that for uh, running, run, run kind of thing. It's, it's a run, walk. Um, so let's just kind of get, in, uh, get into talking about uh, Galloway method. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, he had different iteration. That's what I was told. I think when I first read this book, it was like a 9-1 or something like that. Uh, and mm-hmm. now we have a different iteration. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you are exactly right. You remember correctly that first book, uh, what he was recommending is to run a mile and then walk a minute at every mile mark. And that was, that was hard for us to wrap our heads around that every mile we were going to be losing a minute. And how are we going to make that up? Well, of course you're not losing a minute because The method is not run a mile and then stop and stand still for a minute, right? You're still Mm. moving forward. You're still walking forward. And so you're still making progress toward that finish line. And that adds up. That counts. And over the years, what Jeff discovered as more and more people used the method and as he got feedback from them and started collecting this data, he found that it was better for slower runners to take those walk breaks more frequently. They were really getting tired and they were slowing down significantly by the end of that mile if they tried to run a full mile. And so he introduced different ratios, different run walk ratios, depending on your pace. And so for a while, uh, and and when I think for most of the runs that I did, uh, certainly in the early 2000s. Most of those runs were if you were at nine minute pace, uh, then you would run a mile and or you would run. No, you run four minutes and then you'd walk a minute. And then if you were slower than nine minute pace, you would run less than four minutes. If you were faster than nine minute pace, then you would run four minutes, but you would walk less. You'd walk less than a minute. And, and it was at this sliding scale and it was a little complicated, but we, we did that for quite a while. And then again, as Jeff continued to collect data, as Jeff continued to make adjustments with his own, he, he coaches people personally, and, and so he'd use his own clients as his guinea pigs, and then he'd get feedback from all sorts of people that would come up to him at race expos, or when he was writing for Runner's World, they sent in letters and all sorts of things, and he continued to make adjustments. And several years ago, we got to what we have as our current recommendations, which Uh, is a 30 second walk break. So all walk breaks are kind of set at 30 seconds and then running more between the walk breaks as you go faster and running less between the walk breaks as you get slower and starting right around five second run for the slowest runners, 10 second run for a little faster, 15 second run all the way up to, um, you know, we have people that are running five or six minutes and then walking for 30 seconds. And it's amazing how great this works for folks. And the difference with the 30-second walk break as opposed to the one-minute walk break that we had for so long is that you don't tend to slow down as much during the walk itself. And so if you could imagine, let's say you were trying to hold a a 10-minute pace consistent, right, an overall 10-minute pace, including that walk break, if you are – Running at whatever let's say you're running at a 930 pace and then you're walking at a 16-minute pace that might that might work out just fine But what we found was particularly in a marathon the longer into the race you go the slower that walk gets and so suddenly instead of walking at 16-minute pace you're walking at 18-minute pace you have to run faster during the run segment to make Mm -hmm. up for the fact that you're walking slower and then if you're running faster then you're more likely to be tired going into that next walk. So you may walk even slower. And so later still in the race, you might be walking at a 20 minute pace. So you've got to run a whole lot faster toward the end of the race. You've got to run a whole lot faster just to, to maintain that same pace. So uh, that one minute walk break that was happening a lot. And so with a 30 second walk break, we're finding that doesn't happen hardly at all. People don't slow down all that much during those 30 seconds. You know, there's not much difference in their walking pace in the first mile and in the last mile of the marathon. So it makes a big, big difference, and we're seeing a lot more success with it. We've always seen great success with the run-walk method. Um, You know, going back to when we first tried it. uh, You know, my wife did in our very second in our second marathon and and having that huge success of qualifying for Boston. So um, it has changed, and this is one of the things I love about being associated with Jeff Galloway is that he he is alive and well. I had a meeting with him today. And he is continuing to learn and adjust and update his recommendations as the data comes in. And so you'll find people out there still, I run into them all the time, that are using a 10-minute run, one-minute walk. Or they're using a two-minute run, two-minute walk or whatever. And there are all these recommendations that they think, they think are Galloway. Um, and maybe some of them used to fall into a Galloway recommendation a few years ago. But unless you're really listening to the man himself and paying attention to what he's putting in his books and what he's telling people at Race Expos and what we're doing as the Pacers, then you probably are not following what are the current guidelines, the current recommendations that are really backed up by all the data that we've been collecting.
0: Definitely. I did hear uh, some people talk about, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to do two and two, two minutes of running, two yeah. minutes of walking. And I was like, mm, that doesn't sound like Galloway method, but he didn't no. say that. So, before we really get in deep again, uh, I wanted uh, my listener to know, uh, Mr. Galloway, Jeff Galloway, his story. I think it's, he has a great story. Um, you can read that up on your in his book, but uh, can you briefly talk about it also? Because we it'll be a great story to also listen in, uh, how, how he started this uh, whole run walk. He's he's an uh, actual Olympic. What 10k marathon winner, correct? Uh, So he's he used to be really, really fast. So let's he was,
1: uh, yeah. Jeff Galloway, um, he is uh, he he won a couple of races that are out there. He won the inaugural Peachtree Road race. So, for all those people that go to Atlanta on July 4th and run that, uh, 10k, he was the first winner of the Peachtree Road race. Uh, he was on the 1972 Olympic team. So that's Steve Prefontaine's Olympic year. He and Steve are contemporaries and were friends. Uh, he was on that team with some of his uh, Florida Track Club buddies. He was a member of the original Florida Track Club, along with Jack Batchelor and Frank Shorter, who also made the uh, made the Olympic team that year. And Jeff was primarily a marathoner. He lucked into in a way he lucked into his olympic spot on the ten thousand meters because it was a very hot day in when they had the olympic trials and jeff grew up in the south and uh, he still lives in atlanta and he ran very well in uh, in the heat and so he started off conservatively very slow and started picking people off as he went through that 10k and uh, got himself into the position that he qualified for the Olympic team in the 10,000 meters. Unfortunately, as um, the event transpired, his buddy, uh, Jack Batchelor, did not make the team in the 10,000. And, and that was really the, the race that he was favored in. And so the last attempt to get Jack onto the Olympic team was for Jeff to pace him in the Olympic trials marathon that year. And so that's what they did. Jeff paced Jack Batchelor and uh, helped him get his third place finish in the Olympic trials marathon and qualify. And of course they would have loved it if they could have gotten Jack into position to finish second. So Jeff could have qualified as well. But for Jeff, it was way more important for him to help his friend get on that Olympic Mm. team so that they could travel to Munich together. And that's what they did. And And their buddy, the the guy who won that trials marathon, went on to win the gold medal at Munich, Frank Shorter. And uh, so that's Jeff Galloway's always had that heart for helping other people. And that's been way more important to him than any personal success in racing, although he, he did have plenty. He just mentioned, I think it was in the meeting this morning, he just mentioned that we are coming up on 50 years. This uh, year will be 50 years, um, or maybe it's next year, it's 50 years of uh, since he started using the run-walk method, since he um, really pioneered that uh, soon after that, that, that Olympics. And he had great success using it himself and, and certainly coaching others to use it. He really developed it to help other folks. He was coaching and, and teaching a class at florida state university and part of the class was that these folks had to run a race i don't remember if it was a 5k or a 10k but these were not runners and so he introduced this run walk method to help these non-runners finish this race and not only did they finish the race but as they went through the semester with him in that class they, none of them got injured and so that was a real thing that, that he focused on, the fact that he took non-runners and got them to run a race and none of them got injured throughout the training process. And so he continued to tweak it and develop it and, uh, and eventually it's, it's turned into what it is, which is a worldwide accepted method for finishing races of all distances from the mile to ultramarathons. And uh, in fact, in, as we saw, as you and I saw when we were over in London, uh, in the UK they call it Jeffing the run walk method that we use here. They call it Jeffing, so his name is a verb in the UK. <laughs> uh, so, which is something that I know. <laughs> I don't know anybody else whose whose name has become a verb in that in that sense. Uh, so that's a bit of Jeff's story. He really is an amazing guy, and he continues to go to races and inspire people and and talk to folks and. He continues to answer emails every day, and he continues to coach individuals, and uh, is doing just fantastic. Uh, so I, I encourage folks to seek him out and, and go and and learn directly from him. He's taught me just about everything I know about running.
0: Great story. Yeah, I did see him one way or at uh, Disney Expo. So he was quite engaging with uh, with all the runners I came talking to him. Yeah, want to take his photos and you know you bet. So definitely. Let's go back to running and I'm using the Galloway method. You and I talked a little bit when I was trying to prepare for a Mercedes Marathon and, and uh, I have looked at it uh, some of the charts and how we divide, you divide uh, you know how fast you want to go, what's your run walk ratio should be, um, you know different different speed that you want to go. like I said earlier. 15 seconds of running, 30 seconds of walking, was well, this one of, I've never heard that. So so let's talk about that. Uh, how does this method work uh, for a different speed people want to you know run or my hours they want to finish? How do you kinda say, okay, you should be running this fast or how, how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I have a lot of people that will say, I want to run a five hour marathon what run-walk ratio am I supposed to use to get to a five-hour marathon? And the, the real question is, is your body ready to run a five-hour marathon? Mm-hmm. The run-walk method is not magic, right? It, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't take someone from the couch and turn them into a five-hour marathon or a four-hour marathon or, or even a marathoner at all, right? Uh, what it does is it helps somebody who's gotten in shape get to the finish line more reliably at the, at their goal, if they're trained for that goal. So, uh, what we do, we can use a, we can use another distance race. So if you've run a 5k or a 10k or half marathon and you want to run a marathon and you can tell me what your time was in that race. And if it was recent and if it was a hard effort, then we can kind of look at some charts and figure out, okay, that effort, uh, is the equivalent of this, pace in a marathon and so that's the that's the goal pace that will that that we think is reasonable if you don't have a race that you can use for that uh, we have a method jeff galloway came up with a a thing called the magic mile and the magic mile is uh, a hard effort you run a hard effort in a mile we don't want you to to die at the end we don't want you to throw up at the end we're against we're against throwing up and we're against death but if you run a hard effort in a mile we can take that mile and uh, do some math to it to figure out what your predicted pace is at different race distances. And so for a marathon, the math is you take your mile time, you multiply it times 1.3, and that gives you your predicted pace in the marathon. Now, that still assumes that you've done the long runs and the speed work and the other training that would get you to that marathon ready to go that distance, and it also assumes that you're not running a marathon at you know 10,000 feet. You're not running a marathon that goes up a mountain. You're not running a marathon that's during a tropical storm. I mean, there are all sorts of caveats, right? But if we have a reasonable expectation that you're going to be able, able to run a marathon at a particular pace, then we have a ch- chart that Jeff came up with, and that chart tells us what Recommended run walk ratio you could use for a given pace. Now that magic mile information and that chart you can find both of those at jeffgalloway.com. Uh, there is a magic mile calculator on jeffgalloway.com, and so you go there. You can find it. You can plug in your time for a mile. It will give you your predicted paces for a lot of different distances. And then at the bottom of that calculator is that chart. And so. Uh, if you're going to run a marathon, let's say, at 10 minute per mile, then that recommended run-walk ratio is 90 seconds run, 30 seconds walk. Um, if you're going to run a marathon, let's say you, you're running the Disney Marathon and your goal is to stay ahead of the balloon ladies. The balloon ladies are the, the folks at the very back. And if people fall behind the balloon ladies, they know they might get swept from the race. Uh, so that pace is 16 minutes per mile. And so the recommended run-walk ratio for 16 minutes per mile is 10 seconds run, 30 seconds walk. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're on the faster end, let's say you're going to run a three and a half hour marathon, you're going to run an eight minute pace, that recommended ratio is four minutes run, 30 seconds walk. And there's everything in between. So you can do that magic mile, look at that chart after you find out what your predicted pace is for the distance, and that gives you the run-walk ratio you should use. Now, that ratio is what, when I'm assigning pacers at Disney or any other race that, uh, that I'm working with, when I'm assigning pacers, I give them that ratio to use, the ratio that the chart shows based on the pace they're going to go. But as an individual, if you are going to run a marathon, and whether you've got Galloway Pacers in that marathon or or not, if you're going to run a race of whatever distance, you need to figure out the run-walk ratio that works best for you. So use that chart. By all means, use that chart as a starting point. Go out for a training run at race pace. Don't go race distance, obviously, but go for a four or a five-mile run at race pace and then use the run-walk ratio that's recommended for that pace and see how that feels. And if it feels good, awesome. You've you've found the ratio that works for you. But there are going to be some people that feel better running a little bit slower between those walk breaks. And so if they want to run slower between the walk breaks and if we're keeping that walk break consistent at 30 seconds, then we have to go longer between those walk breaks if you're going to go slower. Uh, on the other hand, there's some people that want to run faster. They feel better when they run faster between those walk breaks. That's great, but we would need that means we need to take the walk breaks more frequently because otherwise you're going to go too fast and at a pace that's probably not sustainable based on the information that we have. So it's really good to take that chart as a starting point and then try out different ratios and see what feels best at your race pace. And then once you found that, dial in on it, all of your tempo runs, all of your race rehearsal runs, where you're practicing race pace, you would practice that run-walk ratio. And one other thing that I'll point out is a lot of people want to know, well, okay, are you when I, when you give me the pace? Is that the pace I'm supposed to run or is that the pace I'm supposed to average? Well, the pace that's on the chart and the pace that's in the magic mile calculator, that's the pace that, that you would average to go the time in the marathon or the half marathon that you're trying to get. As far as what pace you're going to run in between the walk breaks, that's up to you. Um, Obviously, you have to run faster in between the walk breaks because you're going to walk slower than you're running. But I don't know how fast you're going to walk. And not only do I not know how fast you're going to walk, I can't tell you how fast to walk because you don't have a GPS device that can accurately tell you how fast you're walking during a 30-second interval. I don't think that watch exists. And if you think you've got a GPS watch that can tell you exactly how fast you're walking during a 30-second walk break, I invite you to test that by going out with a friend and using this method and walking side-by-side with them, comparing your watches, looking at them, and see if they are identical because I don't think they're going to be Um, Those those watches just are not as accurate as we want them to be and there's so many variables about how fast we walk You know some of us are faster walkers naturally and some of us are not so the best thing to do Is just look at your average pace have your watch tell you your average pace because that's all that matters What was your average pace from start to finish of that marathon and then how fast you're walking versus how fast you're running? You can let your body figure that out and you can make adjustments during the run at each mile mark if you find that you're a little ahead of pace or a little behind pace and that's certainly what i tell the pacers is to make those adjustments at the mile marks if they find they're a little hot or a little cold on pace
0: definitely um even uh, when we run like a marathon like chicago we always have to adjust the miles but that definitely a great point there because uh, a lot of time I do get asked, like, how fast uh, should mm-hmm. I should I be walk? And I'll answer to that question. Sounds like it's look at the split, and that's what you have to, you know that that's where you have to make me this. Yeah,
1: so. yeah, absolutely. I have, I, you know, I've answered that question so many times, and it's so hard for people to to understand. And um, one thing I have done occasionally, if somebody if somebody wants to run a pace that I have run for a marathon or a half marathon. Um, what I'll do is I'll just send them my Strava data mm. and let them look at it. Um, so if they want to know, you know, last, um, uh, last London marathon, I think I paced four hours, 10 minutes. And so, uh, I'll just send them, send them that data, send them my Strava and let them look and they could see, and, and you can see if you look at Strava, you can see where I took my walk breaks and you can see about how fast I was walking and about how fast I was running based on based on what Strava thinks, right? Mm. But again, when you finish your marathon, Strava is probably not going to show you 26.2 miles exactly. Your watch may not even agree with what Strava says. <laughs> um, so, and all that matters is what does the race say, right? What was the time you actually crossed the starting line? And then what was the time you actually crossed the finish line? That's all that really matters. How far you actually went in between, they don't care. Um, all they care about is the finish time. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I think you have sent me your one time I was asking you about you sent me your split and I have looked at it and it was pretty pretty accurate and pretty what do you call it, on target mm-hmm. so so definitely um, one other thing i just uh, and then a sidebar talk here a magic mile when I saw that magic mile I've been using that magic mile idea for a very long time, but not the way you use, by the way. It's just, <laughs> I just I call it magic miles. Uh-huh. Uh My my magic mile, when I pace people, say, from 18 to 21, I call it magic miles. They usually ask, what is magic mile? Even at Disney, uh, one of the guys, like, I'm going to stick with you all the way to 21. I told him, he's like, because... Um, Mine is that uh, when you reach twenty one, you see the magic of a marathon.
1: So oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: This is This is called magic miles for me. So I that's mean, good. I have to talk a little bit longer, more about this because I use it almost every race. It's like a magic mile, 18-20, because that's the that's the hardest mile, correct? Right? So oh yeah, in a in a marathon. Um. So definitely, I remember this guy was hanging out with me to figure out and like oh now I see I can finish this race. So definitely um. Talk about um you know, my listeners here uh there we mostly talked about the road road marathon, uh road running. Um you do ultra as well, correct?
1: I do, yeah, I absolutely do.
0: Um so do you apply the same same method? You know, being an Ultra, you know, you got ups and downs the hills and valleys and those uh trail marathons are not easy. I always wanna do that. I, I saw one guy uh, one of these hundred mile ran Uh, I think he's finished. I didn't. I mean, he um, he walked the entire thing. But that that's different. That's different from what we're talking here. Yeah. Do you you use uh, this Galway method on on ultra, like especially the trails? You know.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. So the first ultra that I did was a trail fifty k, so thirty one miles. Although, like most ultras. When you, when you get a distance, that just means you're going to go at least that far, right? So I think this 50K was actually 32 miles, and it was on a flat trail in North Florida. And so uh, a friend and I did it together, and we were both members of our local Galloway program. And so we actually did run a, a set run-walk ratio the entire time, and... Uh, this was this was back when we were still recommending one-minute walk breaks. And so I think we did a four-minute run, one-minute walk the whole time. And it worked great. It worked fantastic. We didn't have any issues. The next ultra that I did was a 50-miler in Vermont. And it was up and down ski slopes in Vermont. Mm. And I actually was prepared. I thought I was going to do my my standard run-walk ratio. And the first time I was supposed to run but I was heading – up a mountain or the first time I was supposed to walk and I am coming down a mountain I realize <laughs> you can't just like you said you cannot stay with a standard run walk ratio when you're doing those things so I definitely in a, in a mountainous race and I have done so my absolute favorite race uh, in the world my, my favorite um, the, the, the one that I, I dream about every night is the hard rock hundred which is a hundred miler in southwest Colorado you go 33,000 feet of climb in the race, uh, over a distance of about 102.5 miles. And I finished that race 16 times. I definitely cannot do a, a strict run walk ratio for that. And so it's, it's simply a matter of if it's going up, I'm walking up it. If it's going down, I'm going to run down as much as I can until I'm fatigued from, from going down. And the, the, Downhill muscles can definitely fatigue, and so I try to avoid that overstimulation of those muscles. And so I'll take a walk break even on the downhills when they're when they're steep downs. And then on the few places where they are flat, I'll force myself to do some amount of run-walk, but it's usually very little. It's usually something like 10 steps of running and 10 steps of walking just to keep myself going faster than I would if I walked the whole time. Um, but holding myself back from running continuously on those stretches because those will add up. You know, those will definitely add up as you go. We've got friends that have done a lot of flat 100 milers. Um, in fact, one of the guys that that paced with you down there at the Disney Marathon last year, uh, Mark Bridget, uh, has won 100 milers and has won other distance ultras using. Uh, using a strict run walk ratio, he usually does about a three walk break per mile method. So rather than going by a particular pace or a particular time, he goes by distance. So he'll run for a third of a mile and then he'll walk for a bit and a third of a mile and walk for a bit and he's he's flat out one and broken course records in ultra marathons using that method.
0: So definitely. I, I did uh, use that method when I came back from London. I was doing a six-hour run, and I was strictly it was a one-mile loop, and I was it was easier to adjust that. I think I did like thirty-one miles or something like that. So, wow. so I've I've done that. I think I did two minutes of running, thirty seconds of walking. Great. Um, so so I, I did like thirty-one miles. So so usually in those those courses it's easier um, than what we're talking about here, climbing thirty-two thousand feet elevation up and down the mountains and valleys. So. So, so definitely i the one thing i like what you're talking about is just try to use whatever uh, this method whenever you can And that ultra marathon especially when you go into those trails and stuff so so definitely yeah I'll, so i'll have to think about my next 100 mile i would like to finish a hundred pretty soon again <laughs> so I, I don't have a 100 mile this year so i'll finish it next year everything i focus right now is going towards 100 mile even though i will run a marathon so going back to um, talk about the um, Galloway method, uh, a lot of time um, you know you have, I'm sure you have heard about it. you have you have dealing with so many years uh, usually associated with uh, slow runnings. You know that's kind of where you know people look at the slow running. Uh, you know there are people you talk about that you know people qualifying from Boston. You run a Boston. Uh, all those uh, even when you, you run a Boston. Do you still use those? Run walk method. Let's talk about some fast running using a galway method as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So I have been fortunate enough to qualify for Boston several times, and I've run it a few times. Um, and and yeah, all of all of my faster races have been using run walk. In fact, I've the only marathon that I've done. I've done. Uh, I could look it up. I've 100 and something marathons at this point, and uh, the only one that I did without walk breaks was my very first one. And that's just because I hadn't met Jeff Galloway yet and heard him talk about how beneficial they were. And so from my second marathon on, I've always used Run Walk. So every time I've qualified for Boston, it's been using Run Walk. Uh, every time I've run Boston, I've used Run Walk. And uh, we have lots of examples of folks that have gone really fast using it. In fact, my son, uh, who I've got two boys, and my oldest is 25 years old. And has done several marathons. In fact, last year, he ran his first Boston. And my wife and I had also qualified, also using RunWalk. And so the three of us went out there. And uh, it was really neat to be there for his first Boston. As a young man at 25 years old, he has to go significantly faster than I do to qualify for Boston. And so uh, right now, the way the standards are, you have to run under three hours for a man under 35. And so he, even though he'd seen me use run walk, his literally his whole life, he's, he's seen me using run walk for my marathons because I started running them before he was born. Uh, he came up through, he ran in high school and has been very fast. And so he, didn't think that walk breaks were necessarily for him. And so he tried to do his first, he did his first few marathons without walk breaks, but he just could not get under that three hour barrier. It was very difficult. He just, he just couldn't do it. And so finally I, I put him on the phone with Jeff Galloway. I mean, it's hard to get your kids to listen to you, but sometimes they'll listen <laughs> to other people. So I called Jeff and put him on speakerphone and I said, Jeff, you know, I've got this, I have got this young runner here and uh, he's, you know, I'm trying to convince him to use run walk. And so Jeff gave him a run walk strategy to try. And uh, he did. So actually, the strategy that Jeff gave him was different from what I, I would have suggested. Uh, but, you know, Jeff knows these fast guys. And so he used a four minute run, 15 second walk. So a shorter walk break than I would have would have suggested. Um, but, but that allowed my son to run a lot faster in between those walk breaks And so four minute run, 15 second walk, and he has now run three or four marathons, sub three hours using that method. And, um, it's just been just revolutionary for him, just absolutely revolutionary for him that, that he's been able to accomplish that with the, with that ratio. And we've known lots of people every year. We've got lots of people that run Boston using the method and, and qualify using that method. Lots of people that have gone under three hours uh i know of a couple of people that have gone under two and a half hours using Mm -hmm. under two and a half two and a half hours that's like in a hmm. yeah in a um in a marathon using that method i've I've not even run a half marathon at that pace Mm -hmm. and they're running a marathon at that pace using run walk so uh, it definitely works and not only does it work i mean it works great to get these fast times but the other thing that's fantastic is the recovery is so much better you just bounce back from these races so much better when you've been using these walk breaks. Uh, when you don't use walk breaks, we're, we're used to seeing those people the day after the marathon that are having to walk backwards downstairs and uh, you know, or having a hard time getting up from a chair. And especially if you've gone, you know, flown to a marathon and then the next day you're on a plane with those folks and you, you could tell who those, those folks are that are just still really feeling it and even more so with ultra marathons. And I'm, You know, with using run walk, I've I've done triathlons a week after doing a hundred miler, just you know because I can because the recovery is just so much faster from using this method.
0: Definitely, we talked a lot lot about the method. Um, One thing I I also learned um, running the Julian, uh, running at Disney, basically there's efficacy of running, especially we were Pacers, so we were advised to be in one side. Let's talk about that a little, um, you know, you know, sometimes runners, you know, they suddenly stop in the middle of the road. I'm, I'm sure they're not using what uh, Jeff Galloway is suggesting. Uh, let's talk about that efficacy of, uh, you know, you know, especially in a bigger races where there's a lot of people involved, you know. So let's talk
1: about that a little bit. That's a very good question. And I I know a lot of runners who have skipped their walk breaks early on in a race because they were afraid of being in the way of other runners. And I really encourage runners, don't be rude. Don't be aggressive. But at the same time, recognize that you weren't given a discount to get into that race because you're, you're using run walk. You paid exactly the same as those other runners out there. And so there's no reason for you to feel inferior to those runners. There's no reason for you to feel like you need to give them space at all. But as you said, you do need to be polite. You do need to be aware of where those runners are. And so there are some things that we can do that make it a little bit easier for us to coexist on the course with people that are not using walk breaks or at least or even maybe they are using walk breaks, but they're just not using the same ratio that we're using, which means there's a lot of passing. There's a lot of back and forth. Uh, so the first thing that we recommend is that when you're starting the race, you you start on one side or the other. Here, you know, typically it's the right side, but it doesn't have to be. Just wherever there's going to be more room for you to uh, to get to the side to take your walk breaks. If you're running the Boston Marathon, I actually start on the left side at Boston because there are uh, there are opportunities to get over onto the grass or over onto a sidewalk for those walk breaks. Uh, Those opportunities show up sooner on the left than they do on the right when running Boston. Uh, But if you know the race, you can kind of line up. Otherwise, just go ahead and line up on the right side. Take your walk breaks. And when you're going to take the walk break, if you're an individual, if you're not running in a pace group of people taking those walk breaks, if you're an individual that's going to take them, what you'll want to do is before you take that walk break, look around. Make sure that you're not right in front of somebody. Uh, and then as you're starting to take that walk break, usually we'll we'll suggest people put their arm up and just kind of wave their arm to kind of draw attention to themselves a little bit and then slow down to that walk, hopefully either stepping off on the grass or onto a sidewalk or at least staying over on the edge. You're going to be going about the same pace as everybody else around you, especially you know, after the first mile or so. And so you're going to be passing the same people and they're going to be passing you. And so they will recognize you. They will notice, oh, yeah, that's the guy taking walk breaks. So that's the gal taking walk breaks. And when you start to put your hand up, they're going to know exactly what's coming. Mm-hmm. So it's just in the first mile or so that it's a little bit um, congested or a little bit harder. And that's why when you do run at someplace like Disney where we have pace groups that are using walk breaks, it's a whole lot easier because suddenly it's not just one fish <laughs> swimming in uh-huh. this river – But it's a whole big, you know, pool of fish, a whole big uh, school of fish that's out there making it, drawing attention to themselves. And we'll get we'll get the runners to count down with us. Right. We'll say, you know, walking in five, four. And then when you've got 20 or 30 people around you counting down like that, anyone who was right behind that group, they recognize, oops, I need to scoot over to the side a little bit and uh, and make sure that I don't. Rear end this group of uh, of walkers, but it's difficult, and we do occasionally have people that complain about our pace groups mm. uh, or complain about an individual runner who's taking walk breaks. Um, what I have found though is often when people are complaining about walkers during a race, it's not it's not our folks, it's not the run walkers that they're talking about. In fact, often it's those people late in a race. Who tried to run the entire thing got tired and now they are walking because they've run out of gas that gorilla jumped on their back they hit the wall you know whatever analogy you want to use they can't run anymore and now they're walking and they are so toasted from the effort that they're not thinking they're not thinking oh I need to get to the side they're just walking right down the middle of the road You know, And we see at every race. I know you do, uh, especially at the water stops, people that just start walking right there at the water stops. And they might not have walked the first 15 miles of the marathon, but now suddenly they're walking. They're not paying any attention to people around them. These are not the run walkers. These are not the people that went into the race with a plan. These are people that are trying to salvage what's left of a race that's falling apart for them. And no judgment. We've all been there. We've all had races that went south like that. Um, but what sets our folks apart is they have a plan of when they're going to run and when they're going to walk and they're aware of their surroundings and they're able to, to maintain that same level of awareness and staying out of people's way and getting around people when they need to throughout the race, because it's part of this plan and They've trained that way and they're using that in the event.
0: And one other thing you had to see, um, I don't know if you saw the video when I was, um, Pacing Disney. We're mile twenty. I mean, when we started mile 20, oh my God, there's so many people are still yeah. there with us and yeah. singing the songs I was playing, you know, Brunos. And we just they were just singing. Yeah. And then we
1: the we, groups get really big there. And you had a you had a great one. Um and it's just it's fantastic to see. And that's I think that's a lot of people like yourself that have been pacers using other, you know, not using the run walk method. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of times they're surprised to see how many people they still have in their groups late in the race. A lot of pacers are used to, yeah, you know, you get 30 or 40 people at some point, but then by the end there's nobody really there. They've all fallen off. Uh, but our run walk groups, they tend to stay, stay pretty big throughout the event because people aren't, Aren't dying. In fact, they get bigger because some people that started off faster, not walking, suddenly they see the run walk group come along and they realize those people know what they're doing. And so the groups, they, they join that group. I, I paced the Air Force Marathon last month, and I think at fifteen miles, I had more people in my group than I had had at ten.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I had a similar experience at London too, and people start joining more and more joining then i was playing music i was getting requests you know all kind of fun stuff so so definitely uh talk about the pacing what other races i know i know galloway um group uh we pace uh disney you talked about uh air force is it also in the public here in atlanta
1: no um we don't have official we don't pace that officially now there i think just about every race that's out there you will find uh, you'll find pacers that are using the run-walk method. They may or may not be using the ratios that we would recommend. Um, they might. And uh, we certainly have had opportunities to coordinate with other uh, pace leaders and other races that may not be hiring us to do the pacing, but they might be asking us, do you know anybody that can fill in at this spot or that spot? Mm-hmm. And so we get people that are trained Galloway pacers who go as individuals and they pace at different events. Um, we do have uh, coming up aside from the Disney races, uh, later in November, we have the, the space coast marathon and half marathon. And, uh, we do not pace that as Galloway. We do not pace that in its entirety. Uh, instead what we do is we coordinate with another, um, another pace team that, the front half of both the half and the full are paced with a run only approach. And then starting at four hours in the marathon and starting at two hours in the half marathon, we have run walk pacers that, that fill in from there on back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's been a really successful partnership that we've had at that race. And that's, that's sort of the way that it works as well up at, uh, up at air force. Uh, the races that we pace exclusively tend to be in the Southeast. It's where I live, and since I coordinate the Pacers, it's easier for me. I know the race directors here. Uh, So, in addition to the Disney races, you've got the Donna, which is the Uh, The National Marathon to Finish Breast Cancer in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. That's a marathon and a half marathon. There's also an ultra. There's a 110 mile ultra that's part of that, although no pacers for the ultra. (laughs) Um, But they, uh, at least not in the sense that we're talking about, leading groups. Um, So, but we do, we are the pacers. Galloway are the pacers for the marathon and the half marathon at that event, which is in February. Um, The Ameris Bank Marathon and Half Marathon here in Jacksonville, Florida in December, uh, we pace that. Jeff Galloway has his own half marathon in Atlanta, uh, that is in March, St. Patrick's weekend, and so of course we provide the pacers for that. Um, and then there are a few other races. There used to be more prior to COVID, and some of them have come back uh, with us, and some of them haven't come back at all. And and so um, we just paced a, a half marathon in uh, on Amelia Island, Florida, a women's half marathon, part of the Zuma. Race series. That was a really fun, fun race for the Galloway Pacers there uh, to run with all those fantastic ladies. So there are a number of them. And uh, again, more and more opportunities as I've gotten to know more folks uh, like yourself that coordinate pacers for different races. um, I've been able to recommend individuals uh, to fill in at different spots, or in some cases, you know, we're providing several pacers for an event that just wants to add. Uh, add more opportunities for those runners, typically toward toward the end, um, which is fine. I mean, we can provide pacers, and we do. For example, at Disney Marathon Weekend, we provide you know sub four hour pacers for the marathon. Um, but we, uh, you know, our bread and butter is with those slower groups, and we're fine with that.
0: Definitely, I had an opportunity. Hopefully, I will have an opportunity to come come back. But uh, it was great pacing with your team and being part of the team, and all was. Always wonderful, you know, to have a different pace that I'm running. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's always great. Um, that way, I, am able to connect so many people. You know, when I'm when I'm even in the back of the pack, I'm I'm pacing, uh, bringing the party from the back. So so definitely always. You, almost, bet. <laughs> you <laughs> bet. Always enjoy. I mean, I have, I have some good friends, and some of the people that I paced at London, paced at Disney, they still we still communicate. So. So think about that. So so, so definitely, it's been a pleasure to be part of uh, Galloway Pacing Group. So so definitely, and learn about many different things. I'm, I'm thinking about my own race. to um, run, I need to race something pretty soon. I, I just signed up for a, for that one mile loop. I did 31, 31 miles last year. They, he added a marathon distance. I said, ah, we'll just do marathon marathon. I, I need to do, have an easier marathon. So I may just just do a slower run walk method. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, um Chris, we we talked so many different things. Um learning about the Galloway method, learning about Jeff, uh, learning about yourself and so many different things. Um, this this podcast. Um, you know, it's always great, great pleasure to meet you. I mean to see you in the races, you know, a few times a year now we get to see each other. Before we uh, we close this, uh, talk about uh, you know we are in Facebook friend and you always see you having to post about some mixed drinks and stuff. So (laughs) is that a your side project? (laughs) It
1: really it really is. That was um, I mean talk about uh, I mentioned COVID earlier and the impact that it had on on races and that was kind of one of the things that I developed as a hobby. Um, Prior to that, my daughter had seen a tiki bar at the at Epcot for the food and wine festival. And this is when she was still in high school. And she suggested to me, she said, dad, you know, we should build a tiki bar. I was like, Oh yeah, sure. We'll do that. And then she's got two older brothers and they both graduated from high school and moved on to college. And she was the only one still at home. And it, it occurred to me, wow, I'm my time to do something like that with her is running short. And so her senior year of high school, we did, um, we did build a little tiki bar in our house or on a, on a back porch of our house. We enclosed it and built the bar. She designed it and, and we built it out the way we wanted. And, um, and then we started, you know, I started learning how to make tiki drinks and some mocktails so that she could have some and that sort of thing. And then, uh, after she went off to college her freshman year is when COVID hit. And so of course all the bars were closed and all the restaurants, it was hard to get to and all takeout stuff for a while. And so, um, I started getting into, well, what, you know, what else can I do with this tiki bar and learning about rum? And, uh, cause that's the primary spirit that goes into these tiki drinks. Mm-hmm. And so I started collecting rums and started learning more and more cocktails to make. And so, um, a lot of times runners will ask to follow me on Instagram and I kind of have to warn them. I, said, I- I do post about running stuff on there, but most of what you're going to see on Instagram are <laughs> photographs of my cocktails. Um, Cause I have a lot of fun trying to come up with. And sometimes I'm just taking a lot of times I'm just taking recipes that are out there and, and trying them and, and trying to take a fun picture of them. But I also like to design my own cocktails and try them out and see how they work. And um, so it's just a fun little, uh, little side project. Um, I will say for the sake of people that follow me on Instagram or Facebook, um, I typically, if I have like right now, my in-laws are here and my daughter is here and she's 22 now and is in the army and is about to to get stationed in South Korea. So we have, um, we actually right now have eight adults in the house. So, uh, I probably, uh, over the weekend, I probably made eight different cocktails and took pictures of each of them. And so if you see me post a cocktail every day from my bar, it's not that i'm drinking a cocktail every day <laughs> in my it's just that i've taken pictures of eight different ones and then you know feed them out there uh to uh, to fill up my feed but yeah it's a fun it's a fun thing to do and it's given us something neat to do like when we, we ran the chicago marathon or i my wife went up with me she didn't run it but i ran the chicago marathon a couple weeks ago and so we sought out a couple of different tiki bars in the chicago area and and got to you know, see how they do things there, and, and see their rum selection, and take pictures of their drinks and things like that. So it's been something fun. We did the same thing when we went to uh, to London. There's some really great spots, some great bars to hit up in London when you're over there. And um, so just in at Disney in in Orlando, there's some fun ones. So it's just something neat to do, and uh, yeah, and I, I enjoy it. Something not not running, uh, and so I love running. Most of my friends are runners, uh but this has given me an opportunity to meet people in a different, uh, in a different context, and uh, and learn learn who they are, and associate with folks that, and be able to talk about something that's not just running. As much as I love talking about running, it can't be the only thing I can talk about.
0: Definitely, my COVID trial. Or at least, you I know, mean, I used to cook, but when when I, I won the COVID hit, I was I was in the kitchen, you know, cooking mm-hmm. all the time. Even most of my TikTok. Uh, was about cooking and always cooking something, you know. Yeah. Recently, somebody mentioned, like, oh, you stopped posting about cooking. What happened? I said, I don't cook anymore. <laughs> 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 I don't cook as much as I used to. I mean, I used, like, three times a week, you know, like, you know, I was in the kitchen cooking for, like, family of four to six to ten. How huh? It depends how many people are. But yep. definitely, that's a great, having a great side project. So, there you, go. you know, a lot of TikTok. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> for, for my cooking, um, you know, beyond dancing and stuff. So so definitely, um, it's been so pleasure to talk to you. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, before we close this interview, usually I ask my guests to give a word words of advice to runners out there. I would like for you to give a word of advice uh, yeah. to runners and um, tell them go try uh, Galloway Method and um, see what comes out of it.
1: Absolutely. And I will, I will remind you of the story I told about uh, my wife uh, qualifying for Boston, the very, very first run she ever did with walk breaks. So I know that everybody says don't try anything new on race day, but believe it or not, those walk breaks, that's something you can try because it's not really new. You've walked before. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. if you're running a marathon, you probably walk to the starting line of that marathon. So you've walked before. So walking isn't anything new. Running isn't anything new at that point. Um, it's just using that method of deciding when to walk and when to run. Uh, I recommend it. It's certainly worth trying in the next race that you have. I think you'll be surprised how great you feel. I think you'll be surprised how fast you can go using it and how quickly you'll recover from that event. Um, and and you, want, you know what? If you try it and you don't like it, go back to doing it the old-fashioned way. That's fine with me.
0: Great advice. Uh, thanks for coming to Emerald's podcast and talking to us. We'll we'll appreciate your time and uh, hope to see you soon. Thanks,
1: Simon. Thanks, Simon. I appreciate it. Take care.